This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Chris Avina with American Outdoor News. Welcome to another edition of the American Outdoor News podcast. Today we have with us John Stallone of PowerfulWildlife.org. John, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Can you, uh, I, I mean, you, you've been hunting forever uh, and you're very involved in the outdoor community and and uh, helping to preserve our um, our lifestyle or outdoor lifestyle can you tell us a little bit about how for wildlife how'd that get started um well kind of started a few years ago really um for me it started a few years ago the actual how for wildlife uh the concept of it was uh, was only thought of about a year ago um a few years back though i was pushing uh, the hunter up initiative it was basically just me on a soapbox talking to whoever would listen uh trying to get hunters to become more of a community and less of uh an individual you know it, it's an individual sport we know it's an individual sport, definitely not a team sport but um viewing us all as a community all as one we're so there's so many division you know, so much division between us. Yep. So many things that we'll get, we'll go down that road here in a little bit. But, um, so I, I was, you know, talking to whoever, whoever wanted to listen to me about it. And I was doing my own podcast with it and, um, you know, or had brought it up in my own podcast and been on a couple other guys' podcasts and did some blogs and whatnot, and wrote some articles, but it didn't really get any traction. I guess you got a lot of pushback, which was, which was crazy to me, but 
even then I was, that's where the realization came in that this is super important. This needs to happen in order for us to continue to flourish, to continue to even keep, not necessarily even flourish, keep what we have. Mm -hmm. uh, so fast forward uh, to last year, there was a bill in California, uh, SB um, 252, to um, eliminate bear hunting in California. And my hunting partner and one of my best friends, Charles Whitwam, calls me up. He lives in California. And he's like, hey, they're trying to ban bear hunting here. What can we do about it? I'm like, well, I, we, I've had some success before with other things. Let's, let's get a change.org petition going and we'll push it out to as many people as we know between you and I. I mean, I, I've been podcasting for 14 years and I've been in the industry for 22 years. And so I know a lot of influential people and I'm like, I'll just get it out to everybody I know and you get it out to everybody you know and we'll push this thing. Well, in five days, we got 27,000 signatures. Wow. To oppose that bill, and we generated like eighteen thousand dollars worth of worth of donations, which was crazy. And uh, so we won. That Senator Weiner was the guy who was sponsoring that bill. He dropped it like a hot rock. He was like, "I'm not. I want have nothing to do with this." And so we won, which was amazing. So Charles and I looked at each other and we're like, wow, there's something to this. So we tried it again in two other states with two other actions. And we got it, not quite the response from the hunters, but we got the same result, which was awesome. Okay, so now between the three, we generated like almost $30,000 worth of funding, but that for $30,000 went to change.org. I'm like, wait a second, change.org is kind of anti-hunting they lean kind of to that other side yeah and they have a lot of anti-hunting petitions going on on this thing so they're not really our friends and we can't do anything with the money that people are thinking that they're donating to the cause so i said we need to start our own change.org for hunters and anglers you know long story short i started going down this road. I built this website and it sucked. It didn't, didn't work the way we wanted it to. And well, Charles had a bunch of time on his hands because California shut down his business, his outdoor business that he had. He couldn't really work. So he mm -hmm. was like, I'm going to jump into this. And he took the concept from what it was to what it is today. Um, and he just went, you know, mad scientist and developed this podcast or podcast, excuse me, platform. And, uh, on, uh, January 11th, we launched, I mean, we launched it prematurely because, and I say prematurely, we weren't really ready, uh, from a technology standpoint, we were ready. We had all the working parts, the website worked as we intended it to, uh, all the technology, et cetera, was there. And, but we hadn't figured out, okay, are we going to be 501c3? We're going to be for profit. We're going to do this. We're going to do, we haven't figured, we hadn't figured out any of that yet, really. We hadn't really figured out how we were going to structure the inner workings. But 
um, a buddy of mine sent me a message here in Arizona and said, hey, they're trying to get rid of mountain lion hunting, bear hunting, and bobcat hunting here. What can we do? In Colorado? No, this was in Arizona. Oh, wow. They did that, they did that in our, they did it in Colorado too, but Colorado was more of a formal thing. This was a little bit more informal. We were still in the uh, comment period for the Arizona game of fish. Yeah. So it was a, a lot easier for us to win. Um, anyway, he calls me up and he or sends me a message and I call up Charles. I'm like, listen, Hey, it's time. Let's just launch it. Let's see. Let's see what we can do with this. Not knowing that here we are. What? It's uh, March 2nd. What is that? Seven yeah. weeks, six weeks, six. It's not weeks. E yeah. It's not even two months later. Right. That we'd have 18,000 members. So <laughs> it went really, <laughs> it went really wildfire fast. Yeah. Uh, and since then, and you can go on Alpha Wildlife and look in the archive. Um, we've either won or progressed every bill that we've been involved in. So it was like 10, 10 bills or something, 10 or 15 bills that we've gotten involved in. Mm -hmm. uh, there's several on there still that we're still working on. Um, and the concept of it is just basically activating and I, that's a that's a buzzword active you know activation people yep. don't like because act being active is very uh associated with super liberal or uh anti-hunting uh type views but we we have to be activists as hunters sure but the concept is activating us hunters to get involved on issues um right here right now and not waiting so the old model is waiting till it gets to litigation and uh or gets to become an on a ballot issue where we have to educate people to go vote on it and so on and so forth and all that costs a lot of money a lot of money yes. that's money that can be freed up from all these other organizations that are collecting membership fees and so on and so forth to use for habitat development for the betterment of you know uh, species specific stuff and it's silly it's silly i mean all that money it is i actually uh it's all my youtube and i just posted it again on my instagram there's a funny parody video uh on husis uh, humane society of the united states that they're saving all these lawyers because that's what they're doing <laughs> They're saving all, and, and, and the reality of it is in, in certain ways that that's on us too, on our side, because we have to combat those lawyers with our own, right? Yeah. So a lot of money, tons of your money doesn't go to what you want it to go to. You know, it has to go to this. For us, it has to go to this because we're sitting there always on the defense, right? Yeah. Them, they spend no money, zero, 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 zero money on saving animals in any way, shape, or form, their no, main goes towards hate campaigns against us. Their main focus is to steer the narrative in mainstream media, not not the way we talk. We talk amongst ourselves. We're always patting each other on the back, and we're always preaching to the choir. You know, anytime anybody gets up on a soapbox, they're talking to a bunch of hunters. They're not talking to non-hunters. They're yep. certainly not talking to anti-hunters. So. Their, their whole philosophy is let's get the word out to the non-hunting public, which is the largest majority of, of the United States, of anywhere in the world, really, and let's give them our propaganda. Let's give them our narrative so that if a thing reaches a ballot box and 
they're going to sympathize with us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that money that you're giving them goes to doing that. It doesn't go to saving. Well, legally, (laughs) a non-for-profit, you send money to the Red Cross or whether it's Black Lives Matter or whatever. Legally, a non-for-profit only has to use 3% of donated money towards the actual cause that they're donating to. The rest will go to overhead, offices, salaries, whatever it is. Right. So when you donate to a cause, you really have to make sure and do your homework and find out where that money's going. Where I know like your organization or some of these um, military non-for-profits, mm-hmm. uh, 80% or more will go towards the cause, which is unheard of. It's, it's, they're making it harder, but you could still follow the money pretty easily. Yeah. It's, it's not, I, I can't say it's transparent because it's supposed to be real transparent, but it's not. It's uh, supposed to be reported. Yeah. As a from, from our standpoint, we're so new. I haven't really, we haven't figured out a lot of this stuff, but um, you know, for us, we're trying to, to be as upfront and to be as, you know, open and honest with, what we're doing and how we're doing it. Mm-hmm. The, the website itself actually costs quite a bit of money to run because we're connected to every decision maker yep. at, at every level in the government and not necessarily the government, but like game and fish commissions, committees, so on and so forth. We're connected to all those. And that, that comes with a very large expense. And because we are a numbers type um, organization. I mean, all organizations want to have big numbers, but some of these really big organizations, they may only have 20, 30,000 uh, members total, and they're mm-hmm. giant. You know, it's like a giant uh, conglomerate in, in, in comparison to what we are. Um, but we, you know, we have, there's a thing called CRM or whatever. Basically, we have to keep to keep all these members in line, it, it, you have to be able to, uh, excuse me, my dog's going crazy over here and it's kind of throwing my thought process. <laughs> off. Um, the CRM costs a lot of money. So there's, there is a lot, right. You know, and right now it's just myself, Charles, and we have some contract employees that we're, that we're working with. Um, and then we have a, <coughs> but we need, you know, we need to pay for um, people to handle stuff because we're getting so big. There's uh, to or, and to a point that right now there's so many projects that we want to get involved in. We can't do that because Charles and I are, you know, wearing too many hats, spinning plates. Yeah, gets a little overwhelming. So yeah, I I get it from a standpoint of view that there is operational costs, right? But then you look at stuff like, you know, the president of Houston is making like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year salary, like. Mm-hmm. Come on. Well, if that doesn't tell you something. <laughs> you don't you know? have to look any further than the NRA. Wayne LaPierre, what's he have a $250,000 clothing allowance? Come on. How many Omani suits are you going to buy? <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's so, yes, you definitely need to kind of look at this stuff. 
uh, and look at the overall good at what things are doing. Um, I definitely don't want to take anything away from, there's a lot of great organizations out there and I support a crap ton of them. I'm a member yep. of Wildeer Foundation, Rocky Mountain Elf Foundation, <laughs> Wild Sheep, all of them I, you know, I've donated money to over the years. Um, and they do great work within their niche, you know, their niche. And um, I don't uh, definitely don't want this to be a bashing on other, <laughs> on other. Well, the, the main, the main problem that we have as hunters, we're our own worst enemy. Right. You know, the bow hunters don't like the crossbow hunters. The bow hunters don't like the rifle hunters or the muzzle loader hunters don't like. Yeah. yeah. We're all doing the same thing. We all share the same passion. Why is there a problem? Yeah, there, there's a lot of infighting. Um, and there's a lot of disconnect, too, when it comes to, to hunting. So, it's like, what, what does a guy in New York give a crap about, you know, that whitetail hunts give a crap about a guy in, you know, Colorado who elk hunts? It just... It's all connected. It, it doesn't compute to them, but... The reality is we are all, we are, we are all connected. Um, if you look at it from the 30,000 foot view, right. And, and we're all donating into the same pot, yep. right. And that same pot gets divvied between all the States um, based on what well, we'll get down that, we'll go down that road, but based on metrics, right. So that, that's, that's one way to look at it. You take one of those people that are donating out of that pot, then you become less relevant. Then the other side of it is too, is like anytime they take away. So we just had this here in, in Arizona last year, we lost the use of trail cameras. Hmm. Now, now Utah lost the shoot, use of trail cameras. Yeah. So how long does it take till that translate over to South Carolina? Well, what they do is they push it in one state, they pass the bill, and that's their model. Right. Well, they did it there. This is how it's going to work. This is how we did it. And this is how we push it through. Right. Exactly. So, the, you know, they set precedents is basically what it is. And, and it, it makes it easier. The other thing is, like, if you look at it in this standpoint, I'm going to use California as an example here. California, they were trying to, again, this year, they went after bear hunting again. Mm -hmm. The bear come population over there is giant it's the most in the whole country okay ginormous um some people don't even have as many deer as they have bear so if the bear population were to go unchecked eventually the deer population over there would not be sustain sustainable mm -hmm. and all the bear hunters that we we all first off we you know bear hunting gets taken away you lose all the bear hunters. You lose all the people that were just bear hunters, right? Yeah. They're probably not going to hunt anymore. They're going to mountain bike now. Okay. So you lost that amount of people, however many that is. And so California has got a huge hunting community and you don't realize it because you think California, you think of San Francisco, you think LA, whatever. But yeah. California has a lot of hunters. Okay. So you lose a big chunk of people there, however many thousand that is. So that's how many thousand less contributing to the big pot you become less relevant. Then now they lose deer hunting and maybe those deer hunters start venturing out and going into other states, okay, and hunting other states. So now the guys in Arizona, because I'm right next door, we start seeing more California people and our 
opportunity goes down. So it's, yes, now it's going to affect my hunting sure. directly. Okay. And, or again, they're not going to hunt anymore. Okay. I'm, I can't hunt anymore. Uh, not to mention so, millions of dollars in revenue that the state is losing. Well, of, course, not of course, that's all directly related, but we're trying to, we're, I'm trying to draw a line between how a guy in California has something to do with a guy in, in New Jersey. Okay. And so if you look at it like that, you're like, Oh my God. But then you start to realize, yeah, shit, we're all connected. And how long would it take until this ends up on my front door? And, uh-huh. you know, the Eastern seaboard is, um, and, a, and a lot of, the southeast is not as heavily affected by the predator thing, you know, because they don't have the predators that we have in the west or the upper Midwest and stuff like that. So they're not going to have that where they're going to come and take, you know, bear hunting away because bear hunting is not really a thing in, let's say, South Carolina. Okay. Um, but eventually, when you're the last person standing and now you're this small group of people that love deer hunting and hog hunting in South Carolina, but the rest of the country is no longer there to, to stand up with you. Yep. You know, you, you get it. So, I mean, that's pretty extreme obviously, but no, it's, it's like they're doing with our civil liberties that chipping away, chipping away, chipping away before you know it, it's gone and you don't even realize it. So right. doing the same thing here with us. And I believe Jersey has a moratorium on bear hunting right now as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, we've actually been contacted. Can we get re- help them get bear hunting reinstated? I said, we've told them, listen, if you got a boots on the ground organization that's willing to put together a bill and submit it to somebody who's willing to listen to you there in Jersey, yeah, we'll put all the weight behind health wildlife to help you get that reinstated. To, to show the numbers of people that want it back. Um, but we can't, I can't, you know, Hal cannot write bills. We can't do that stuff. We can't lobby. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. The disconnect. Um, I mentioned how the anti hunters work in the mainstream and, and the, message that they've been ingraining in the non-hunting public for ever since the 40s yeah maybe, maybe even earlier if you look back you look back at like bambi and you know elmer fudd from early looney tunes and all this stuff and the picture that is painted marissa tomei from my cousin Vinny. <laughs> exactly i mean super funny movie love that movie but that that is it. it's it's interjection all the way and I've used That's this. What you remember, right? Exactly. I, I use this example a lot. There's a, was a movie that Reese Witherspoon was in. It's called Wild, I think. And I only watch. I don't know the whole movie because I I turned it on and it was a few minutes before this part happened. As soon as this part happened, I just shut it off because I was like, I I can't. But she's hiking, I believe, like on the Oregon Trail or something. Oregon Trail, yeah. And um, she runs into two hunters. They're elk hunters and they're backpacking. First and foremost, neither one of them in camo. They're like dressed up like old school, like we would go hunting before camo was invented, you know, with flannel shirts and jeans and whatever, which is fine. There's a lot of guys that still do that, and that's not a big deal. But 
there we are. We're painting that hillbilly-ish type picture, right? That's what they're that that's what they're trying to paint. Yep. And one of the guys is drinking a beer. Well, first and foremost, if anybody's been on an elk hunt, you sure shit ain't carrying a freaking six pack of beer. <laughs> okay. Working. I mean, I know when I elk hunt, I'm doing I'm averaging eight to ten miles a day. There's there's no way I'm carrying a six pack with me. Yep. Number one. Um, but the the whole like feeling that you that's going on in this scene is like you're looking at these two guys and you're like these guys are gonna rape her they're gonna rape this girl in the back country right now yep and man it's this you just they're super creepy everything about them's like oh and she's you could tell she's afraid of them yep and, and I don't even know. They might have. They might have raped her later on in the movie. I have no clue, and I never went back to look. I'm, I actually almost want to go back because I've used this example too many times. I want to go back and let's watch the whole movie from start to finish. But because I get disgusted, I shut it off. I was like, "Here we go again. We're just teaching people that hunters are creeps, and you know, yep. either, we're either that or you know, we're the guys running around with pickup trucks, drinking beer, and shooting that shit out the back. You know, it's like it's it's." That is their tactic and has been their tactic for many, many years. Uh, that's why they always, you know, involve big name actors and you know, their narrative is out there. They've been doing it for years, and now we're in a position where, right? Uh, wait a minute, you know, maybe it's time we said something. But well, we, their narrative is already ingrained in your mind. Right. Exactly. And we've always been taught, uh, been uh, taught to be quiet and to be discreet. And to not, you know, don't show, don't show what hunting's about. Don't put anything out there. I mean, I, I remember when I was in New York and I got my first, uh, when I took my hunter's ed, ed, I think I was nine years old. Yeah, right, right around nine years old, I took my hunter's ed in New York. And one of the parts of the program was teaching you to be discreet, to not show, to not talk about, to not, and, and. I don't think we're in a world that we can, one, we can't do that anymore. We can't be recluse. We can't be like, yep. you know, working in the shadows. Plus that makes us look shady if we're working in the shadows. We're not out there, you know, um, being upfront with it. You know, we used to shoot a deer, put it on the hood of the truck, you know, or put it in the bed or it's hell. My dad, we didn't even have a truck. We put it on the freaking Paraded around town. <laughs> we, we would bring it to the, you know, to the to the town center or whatever the case may be, and everybody would come and talk. And so now that same situation is Instagram and Facebook and whatever, and it's yeah. much grander, right? So now that we're opening the doors up to so many different eyes that may or may not be sympathetic with what you're doing, or may not understand. More importantly, will not understand what you're doing. Um, it's, it, we're dealing with a different animal. So I don't think that mentality, so it's my philosophy and, and of those, everybody that I work with, that we need to start changing the narrative. We need to start taking a play out of a page out of the playbook from anti-hunting and start taking it to the mainstream. And one of yeah, the, just flip the script, exactly. One of the main focuses of How for Wildlife with the funding that we are receiving once we, you know, obviously we're going back to operational costs and whatever. Once you pay that stuff, the excess funding is going to go to mainstream education programs. Sure. 
we have a we have a vision. We uh, Charles and I started joking about this, you know, about a year ago. Hey, why don't we, you know, put the money together and put up a billboard in downtown San Francisco? Because he lives in the south side of San Francisco. It was like a war zone there for when it comes to, you know, yep. the, the uh, anti hunting uh, community. And uh, let's put up a billboard there. Let's educate people that says, hey, you know, on this billboard, hug a hunter because, you know, he's the reason why you still see or he or she is the reason why you still see elk in the, in the woods. And this is the reason why you still can go hiking on this trail or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so we want to do that. We want to start educating people, one, on the North American uh, model of conservation and science-based wildlife management. And we want to educate them on how and why and where all these awesome things that they can enjoy. I could go backpacking. I could go mountain biking. I could do this. That is in part or sometimes completely funded by the efforts of sportsmen. Right. So, and there's a really, nobody knows it. Hell, half the, half the hunters don't know this. Like half the people hunting don't understand how it works. They might have a little bit of knowledge of it, but they don't, you know, and it's, it's on us. We've done a shitty job. We've done a really crappy job. Billions of dollars that hunters put back into the system uh, to preserve conservation, like the Pittman Robinson act and, organizations like yours and Dallas Safari Club, Safari Club International, Rocky Mountain Elk, all their money goes back into conservation of not just the preservation of that population, but the land. Right. Because it there's a, there's a trickle-down effect. You might be doing something to preserve the elk habitat, but that brings back um, vegetation, which brings back uh, butterflies or, or ladybugs and, exactly. and you know it's a, it really helps everything you're right. not just helping that one species absolutely absolutely and it, it, it's funny because I don't know I don't necessarily think that the anti-hunting community I, don't, I definitely know they don't view it this way and this doesn't come from a place I don't think it comes from a place of malice but if they were to succeed with their agenda it would almost definitely end up being the demise of wild things and wild places and i don't think they realize that like if you were to succeed and get rid of i you know wave my magic wand right now and hunting and fishing went away do you know what would happen? Like, I mean, besides the economic, you know, they would be building condos instead of preserving the prop, uh, the land for uh, wildlife. Yeah. Well, I mean that, and just even the animals themselves, like there, there would be no checks and balances. There would be, you know, their, their main, one of their main, uh, like points that they use is, Oh, the wildlife was fine before man interrupted. They always treat us like we're this alien form that just appeared on the earth, you know, in the last hundred years. But the fact of the matter is we're animals too, just because we have intellect and we, we, you know, separate ourselves from, from the wild animal 
kingdom. Um, we've always been a part of the cycle, right? Yeah. We've always been a part of everything. And, you know, that mentality of, oh, leave it be and it's going to return back to the way it was. That might have been true maybe a few hundred years ago. I mean, I don't know when you were a kid, but when I was a kid, we only had 4.5 billion people in the world. Now we have eight. You know, yeah, we are, uh, we as humans, all we do is consume. We consume, we consume, and we take, and we take, and we take. And if you don't have the conservation mentality to conserve what it is that you want to keep and continue to keep for your generations to come, then we're not going to have that stuff, which is just going to go away. Right. And yeah, because uh, organizations like PETA uh, who has a tremendous amount of capital behind them, mm -hmm. uh, they're not using those funds towards preservation of X species or X habitat, they're spending money on campaigns to say, that's the bad guy. That's the one responsible. Uh, but we're taking our own money and we're preserving the land. We're preserving uh, different species. We're regulating. I, I, I want to I stop you because that word preservation is, is almost a bad, it's almost a bad word. Because there's a difference between preservation and conservation. And yes, they want to. Their idea is to preserve. The problem is in a preservation model, things are not managed. And yeah. whether we like it or not, we build roads. We have, you know, uh, even, even forest roads for logging, whatever the case may be. We alter the landscape. We alter the system. In, in some way, shape, or form. So if you go in with a preservation model and there's not a management plan in place, nine times out of 10, it's going to blow up in your face. That rhyme. Okay. I'm going to have to remember that. <laughs> a good nursery rhyme. But um, I, you know, I, I actually have a, uh, I went to school for rangeland management and ecology in Colorado State University. Um, I have a professional certificate in forestry from Penn Forester, and I was certified from, at the time was QDMA, and now it's the National Deer Association, but um, to be a deer steward. So I have a really good understanding of what conservation looks like, what management looks like. And ever since I graduated from that uh, program years ago, I look at everything through the eyes of a manager. I mean, even, even people, uh, I mean, I could put my, my tinfoil hat on and talk about that too, but the, I, I look at it anytime. And you can look at this too, from an engineering standpoint too. You always got to give something to gain something. Anytime you come into a system from any angle, if you, if you tweak something here, it's going to affect something on the other, on the opposite end. Right. Yeah. And, and that's wildlife management. So like if there's not somebody kind of orchestrating that and 
it doesn't balance itself out anymore. It, it can't because it doesn't have, it's not untouched. That's what I'm saying. We, we, whether we like it or not, we impact, we impact what happens with, with wildlife or we impact habitat or we impact, you know, we have, we impact the, 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 what do you call it? The, uh, the climate, whatever it is, it, it has an effect on the wildlife. So it's, it constantly has to be evolving and it constantly has to have somebody with the intellect. It can't be left to just, you know, deer to figure it out or, or elk to figure it out. It, it has to have somebody to look at it and not only make it best for them, make it best for everyone including us, you know, okay. so, but that's, that's my, that's my shtick on, uh, on wildlife conservation right now and, and the importance of, uh, of where we're at. So. Well, we all need to stand together. Yeah. That's bottom line. Uh, it don't matter how you hunt. Uh, we're all sharing the same lifestyle, different variations of it. And we need to stand together to preserve it for future generations uh, to enjoy as we have. Right. Um, and if you don't mind, I'll, I'll talk specifically about Alpha Wildlife and how it works. Um, if, you, if you go to Alpha Wildlife, okay, and you go, you become a member. We have a free membership and we will have a paid membership coming up here pretty soon. Um, we... One, we've incentivized the whole website. So I'm just going to talk about the free membership because that's what's there. If you become a membership, a member, excuse me, you have, we have an incentive program and a rewards program that every time you take an action, whether that's fill out a petition, sign an email, do a phone call, um, sign up for an educational Zoom meeting, um, and I'll get into all these here in a second, what those are specifically, you get a, a certain amount of points allotted for whatever that action was. Okay. And once you reach a certain amount of points, now there's, uh, giveaways, there's discount okay. rewards, so on and so forth there for you. So we've kind of, we gamified it is what we've done. We've, we've incentivized people to be activists. Okay. As if it wasn't enough that you wanted to do it out of the goodness of your heart and wanted to see, but we we've made it even sexier. Um, the platform itself is a tool to take, to unify people, but to also take action on issues concerning wildlife and science-based uh, conservation stuff. And so anytime a bill that comes up that opposes that or supports it, because we get some that are, are uh, pro hunting, mm -hmm. we, we send out emails to all our members and we say, Hey, come, come take action on this. And they, okay. So for instance, in Colorado, when you were, you had alluded to earlier, they were trying to get away with, um, we're trying to get rid of mountain lion bobcat, bear, and lynx. And lynx, we don't hunt lynx. They're protected, but whatever. That was on that bill too. Um, and 
you can go on the action center, click on that bill, put your name and your email and hit send in 30 seconds. And you just sent, I think there was four, four sponsoring uh, senators. I don't know if there were senators or congressmen. I don't remember. I think it was a Senate bill. So I think it was set four sponsoring, uh, four uh, senators that were supporting that bill. Each one of those senators would get an email from you. Mm-hmm. And they're not a canned email. It comes directly from you. And we have like, six to 10 different variations of what the message says. And it randomly puts that in there uh, as well as the subject line or on the system. You also have the opportunity to write your own message. You can just read the message that we were about to send, say, okay, I'm going to paraphrase it and write it in my own words. Mm -hmm. Actually encourage that because that is even more, um, you know, Person. personalized and, and, and it's more specific to what your, your view is. Right. Um, we were able to, on just that bill alone, send out 160,000 emails and that's powerful. Right. And my vision is, and now we have 18,000 people. So hopefully those numbers will go up. Uh, we only had six or seven at that time. And um, the, the idea is here is we're 16 million people, 16 million hunters, sportsmen in the United States. If we had 1% of that active on Halfa Wildlife, every time a bill came up that was anti-hunting, that senator or that decision maker got 1.6 million emails. Yep. There's no way in hell that that thing's going to pass because 1.6 million people said, we don't want this. Can't ignore it. They're going to, they can't exactly. It was so powerful. It's it's crazy how powerful it was. The truth Uh, is they don't know what state you're from. You're just opposing it. But even, even that, so that's something that comes up all the time. Well, what if I, you know, it's not, I'm not from the same state. They know, especially now more than ever in the last 10 years, how many people travel, you know, we have 16 million uh, hunters in the United States, but we sold like 86 million licenses. Yeah. Okay. So if you sold 86 million licenses, that means those 16 million people are five or six. I don't know the math. I didn't do divide of 86 by six. in different states and they're traveling for exactly. their hunts. Exactly. And so you're, you're relative, you know, you're, you're relevant, I should say, to, to those decision makers, because you're somebody, you might not be a direct constituent that's going to vote for them, but you're somebody that's coming to spend money in their state. Yep. I mean, it's, it's not the almighty dollar is always the bottom end on everything. Okay. And really it's the only reason why we still exist as a, as a industry is because hunting makes a crap ton of money for the government 96 billion dollar industry something something around there it's ridiculous and there's it's tied to so many things with travel truck sales atv sales all these little things that finger out from it that i mean how many many guys you know that own a truck that wouldn't own a truck if they weren't a hunter but then it uh it also affects the mom and pop shops 
You go on a destination hunt, you're stopping at the pizza place, you're stopping at the grocery store, you're gassing up, which is also bringing uh, revenue into their local economy. Right, exactly. So that, I mean, that, that I I call it where we exist because we're, because of greed, you know, we only exist because of that. Now, if the anti-hunters of the world figured out a way to replace our income, there would be, I mean, every, every politician in the world would just go with them because they were like, you know, there's, there's no reason for us to fight for you. Right. So let's not take that for granted. Cause I don't, I don't, I've kind of gone down that road to be devil's advocate to see if I could figure it out. There's real, no, no way to, I shouldn't say there's no way to do it, but I don't see one that's feasible. Um, anyhow, going back to the website. So that, that, that's, you know, what the tool that we, we was, that we designed is meant to give the average Joe or, or Josephine, the, uh, <laughs> the word, you know, the, the power of, of numbers and, the, and, and be able to have their voice heard. Yeah. Um, we, we are doing things like, so I mentioned calls, right. On our platform, for that, we'll call, talk to the, about that Colorado bill again. We had the the call center open, so if you go on there and you want to talk to the sponsoring senators, you click the button. It automatically connects you with them with a um, phone number that's relevant to their area. So, so if this was Colorado, it called them from a Colorado area code. Sure, they answer it. And while at, while you're waiting for the call to connect it, it starts prompting you with these bullet points, teaching talking points, right? So that you can talk um, more intelligently about yeah, the topic. Exactly, you can speak intelligently about it, and the uh, and that way you don't freeze up too. You know, like uh, uh, you know that well, kind of speaking to a senator. You know what? They're regular people, right? Exactly, but. So that that's there and it'll, it'll keep calling everybody in succession after you, as soon as it hangs up, it'll call the next person, the next person, the next yep. person that's that are decision makers. Anyway. Um, one of the other things we're doing is uh, when we just did this in California, we hold these zoom meetings and we educate any hunter that is wanting to go either sit in on, now they're doing a lot of these things by Zoom also, um, where a fish and game committee or um, or even the Senate, whatever, is meeting at the Capitol and they're going to discuss a bill. And you want to show up for that, either virtually or in physically in person. In years past, there's always been like 200 show up for that and, you know, 100 anti-hunters because they're excellent at this they're great at organization so the two hunters they get up there speak and they're you know i'm going to oversimplify this and i might hurt somebody's feelings whatever but you know they're gonna they stand up and they're like we don't want you to take this bill because it's our hunting rights and you're taking away our rights of americans whatever and although that is a very to me is a very valid point to a senator or whatever they don't give a shit they don't want to hear about your hunting rights and your heritage they, they just don't they don't care about it. it's not yeah. that i shouldn't say they don't care it's not it's not 
It's not in their nature. Right, exactly. And so when you, what we're doing is we're educating people. So when you stand up there, you say, okay, this, this science, this, um, you know, data that I'm giving you right here is why I don't want you to take away this hunting. And now they're like, they start to see what's going on here. And as the anti-hunter start talking, they start spitting out their own social science, which in in my philosophy is mostly, uh, you know, conjecture and BS, but, um, you have talking points to talk against those things. And now we're showing up with a force of a hundred people in the last couple of meetings, we have outnumbered the anti hunters that showed up. Mm -hmm. We were smarter than them. We had the tools and the, and, and the talking points to educate the decision makers and the decision makers. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I didn't know about that because what happens with these bills is, um, and I'm going to go back. I'm going to use California again as an example. So like that bear bill they do is they send out a, a, um, a poll. Okay. And they'll say something like, do you support lopping off the head of a, of a bear and leaving the meat out in the field? Well, no hunter supports that. Plus it's illegal. Right. Mm-hmm. And Anybody who reads that is going to say no, right? I do not support this. Or do you support uh, a sow that has cubs being killed? No. Again, also illegal, but you're going to say no, hunter or not, or non-hunter. And then they'll take that data. They're going to go to the senator and they're going to say, hey, 95% of Californians are opposed to trophy hunting. So they basically drew a line that said trophy hunters just cut off heads, leave them there. We just kill Sal, whatever the case may be. That's what, that's the. That's not what we do. Exactly. It's not what we do, but from the person who knows nothing about hunting, they look at that and they look at, Oh, they got all this data, all this social data that says that opposes hunting. All right. So they look at that data. They look at the bill and the bill, you know, has a bunch of fluff and a bunch of twisted um, numbers and twisted um, viewpoints and they look at it and they're like, all right, I'm going to save cute and fuzzy bears and my constituents are going to love me because I'm saving cute and fuzzy bears and I'm doing this right, great thing. And then once you get that senator and pull them aside and say, hey, look, this is the actual data. This is the actual numbers. This is what's going to happen if you get rid of bears. They're like, whoa, wait a second. I didn't know that. They only know what they know because they're being fed that from anti-hunting, right? They're so being, They're being led down right. a path that the antis want them to walk down. We need to lead them down another path with facts. Exactly. And the only way to do that is to educate yourself, get in front of them and let them know exactly what we're trying to do and how we're trying to save this wildlife. So precisely. That's, that's, uh, that's our goal. That's our goal with Howful Wildlife is to educate hunters and non-hunters on, on the, you know, we have truth, we have the money, we have the numbers, we have all this stuff, work integrity, we have all that stuff working for us. 
and let's use it. Let's, let's educate these people. Let's educate ourselves, educate the non-hunters in the mainstream, come out of, come out of the shadows, do what we need to do. And then on, on the bills that do make it to the, to, you know, whatever platform it makes it to, we need to stand up. We need to come as one. We need to get on how you need to voice your opinion. Well, and, where, uh, where can we find you, John? It's howlforwildlife.org. It's H-O-W-L for wildlife.org. All spelled out. Yep, all spelled out. Okay. Well, we're definitely running out of time, but I, I want to uh, acknowledge our sponsors. Uh, this episode's been brought to you by Underwood Ammo, uh, Phone Scope, and Pyro Putty, and uh, Hunt of a Lifetime. And definitely go to John's uh, site, uh, educate yourself, sign up, thehalfawildlife.org, uh, subscribe to American Outdoor News Podcast, which you can find on Waypoint TV, and you can also find on our website, AmericanOutdoorNews.com. Uh, you can sign up for free, which will also give you access to the magazine. So until next time, we appreciate your time. And uh, tune in for next time. Thanks again. We love our children. We protect them. We guide them. We prepare them for life in the world. With all that we do, from deep in our hearts, we cannot control all things. Life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children each year. While we cannot change the circumstance, we can make dreams come true. Dreams to provide hope, to provide spiritual healing and strength, to provide moments of happiness and relief in the hardest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair. Join huntofalifetime.org to help make dreams come true, to provide hope for children with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization fulfilling dreams for hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Visit huntofalifetime.org to learn how you can make a difference.